0: So, we've been in this series now. This is the final week of this series called Dangerous Opportunities. And we've taken it, kind of keyed it off of um, the word crisis. In the Chinese language, crisis is related to two words dangerous, opportunity. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about in this series that when we manage the crisis of our lives through the lens of how Jesus would manage crisis. When we do that, we open the door for opportunities to come our way to fulfill the will of God. Because when crisis comes in our life, when we are believer, when Jesus Christ is the rock of our life and he lives in our heart, when crisis comes, we can't bury our head in the sand and say, oh my God, what's getting ready to happen? That is the moment that we have to say, okay God, what is happening here? what is the opportunity that you have for me? And so we've said each week, no matter what the crisis, AKA opportunity is, we are opening up. There will always be adversaries and there will always be obstacles that come along with those opportunities. (laughs) So we've been keying off this verse in 1 Corinthians. Paul is talking to the church at Corinth. They're kind of in a crazy mess in 1st and 2nd Corinthians. He's a little frustrated with them and he's on his way to travel. I think he's in the city of Ephesus, if I can remember right. And God is just moving. He realizes he needs more time with the church of Corinth because they're going a little crazy right now. So he's like, I'll be back to you, but in the meantime, God has opened this amazing opportunity. He's opened this door of opportunity for me, a great and effective or powerful door. And, Paul says, there are many adversaries. You see, Paul had this opportunity. He knew God was moving right now. He didn't wanna step away from what God was doing, but he said, in the midst of this great opportunity, Yep, there's some adversaries, there's some obstacles happening at the same time. Webster's calls opportunities this, a good chance for advancement, a favorable juncture of circumstances. In other words, okay, I'm gonna jump out and take this opportunity. We're hoping it will be a good thing. Have You ever been there before? You're like, let's just jump and see what happens. So we could say that crisis or opportunities from God are circumstances that are set before us that require us to make a decision. We can make the decision to step up and say, okay, I'm going to take the opportunity that God has laid before me right now. Or I'm going to shrink back and say, nah, not right now. I don't know about you but I've been in both places in my life when I've been like yeah I'm ready let's go let's take the opportunity and other times I've said you know just don't want to do it right now have you ever been there before so I want to share with you a recent dangerous opportunity uh, where I had to make a personal decision it could have been a crisis uh, instead I had to choose it as to see it as a favorable experience. You see, every Sunday about a hundred kids come on the property of the Bethel campus. They come with moms and dads, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, friends, neighbors. Bethel has the opportunity every week to embrace and engage children. And we know that from research, by the age of 18, the foundation that is laid in the life of a human being is a foundation that they will ride on the rest of their lives. I call them the building blocks of life. If the building blocks of life are solid and sure, that person is gonna have a better chance at succeeding in life. But when the building blocks of life are not as steady, not as sure, that person has a harder time following a stable foundation. Even beyond that, 80. of those who call Jesus Christ Lord and Savior have ever accepted him into their heart do so before the age of 18. So Jesus said this, he said, if you welcome them, you welcome me. Hmm. So when I had this opportunity for transition in our children's ministry, uh, we immediately started, you know, looking on job sites, postings, kind of try to find that perfect fit for for Bethel and our family. And we were in months into this process and and I was praying, Lord, come on, like like we gotta get moving on this. And you know, the timeline's coming up and the Lord said, I want you to do it for a season. For a season, I want you to step into the children's at Bethel Harvest. I was like, you know, I, I have learned enough by my age. I'm not that old, but I'm not that young either. I have learned enough not to argue with God. So I'm in this, I'm in this quandary cause he's like saying, I, I need you to do this for a season. I said, Lord, I just need, I just need the why. I need to know why. And he said very clearly to me, you are the mother of the house and you can give fresh impartation and who you are to this very vital and important area of this ministry at Bethel, you see, Kids are important to the church. Kids should be important to us, amen? So when God speaks direction, he lays out provision and he lays out fulfillment. So I was, I was actually just, I was kind of excited about what God was getting ready to do. I was also really nerve really nervous. So in January, I kind of launched out on this challenge this dangerous opportunity, uh, stepped into this crisis uh, to experience what God has for me. It's been seven months now. And my, you see, this is what you got to understand. My focus for the previous three decades of my life had been in planning and praying and believing into what happens into the congregation, into the sanctuary of whatever church I was serving in. And my focus was always believing and, and planning and creating, for, you know, big people church. (laughs) So sometimes this is the other thing I've learned about the Lord, and I'm sure you've seen this too. He will lead you into different areas to give you fresh perspective, to see more of what he sees. So here's what I found. I found that we have amazing kids. I found out that these kids are a gift. They are fertile soil in which the love of God is being planted every week. Every week. I have had so much fun with your kids. See, mine are 17 and 19 now. They're not so much into that, like your cool mom phase. Even though we have great relationships, they don't like run up to me every day and just give me a big hug, you know. And um, so let me first say this. I have renamed children's ministry. I have renamed it to this. It's called the Island of Isolation. This is the crisis that comes in serving in children's ministry or any ministry that keeps you out of the sanctuary of adults on a weekly basis. See, the danger is you stop feeling a part of what's happening in here. This amazing worship team that led us into the presence of God, the fresh manna from heaven that comes every week, that whoever is in this pulpit has prepared, has prayed, has pushed in to hear a word from God to bring it to us for the direction of our church. And here's what I found. So while I'm out there loving our kids, it is an amazing opportunity I'm having so much fun. I've realized there is a disconnect between what happens in this room and what happens over here in the preschool wing and what happens downstairs in the elementary side. And we've got to fix that. So... (laughs) I believe one reason that Abba asked me to jump into this kid's opportunity was to engage my heart into the hearts of kids at a new level so that I can clearly communicate this opportunity to you. And now now that I've seen the opportunity, I feel like I can better communicate it to you. At least that's my prayer. Because together, I believe we can be a church in this community that builds a beautiful bridge between what happens with us adults and what happens with our children. Because here's what I found, I need what they have, but they need what I have. They need what you have, and you need what they have. Now, I'm not saying this, this is not gonna be a recruiting message for everyone in here, you know, I'm locking the doors till you sign up for children's. It's not that kind of day. But this was a crisis or an opportunity that was placed before me. So here's what I'm asking you. Whatever crisis you may be facing, whatever it is, when a crisis hits your life, are you looking for The God opportunities in that moment. God isn't hiding them from you. His greatest delight is when you take the opportunity that is set before him and you say, God, I don't understand and I don't know and it's not totally clear, but God, I'm jumping into this opportunity and I'm going to lift up your name because you said if you be lifted up, you will draw all men to you. So let's look at a few keys of how we can um, see these God-given opportunities. The first is we have to choose the opportunity. We have to choose the opportunity. You can choose to walk away or you can choose to see it. God spoke to the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 30. I'm going to kind of paraphrase this section, but it says this, and I don't think any of this Screens are working to put scriptures up because nothing's popping up. So hopefully you brought your Bible or you've got it on your phone. But Deuteronomy chapter 30, there's a whole passage there between verses 15 and 20. I'm gonna paraphrase because God says to the Israelites this. He says, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. And verse 16, he says, for I command you today to love the Lord your God to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commandments, his decrees and his laws. And then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you. You see, God, hey, there we go. Hey, God gives us a choice. But he goes beyond giving us a choice. He actually goes ahead and tells us what we need to choose. It's like the the teacher giving us the answer on the test. He says, look, you gotta choose, but let me go ahead and tell you what you need to do. You need to choose my way. You need to choose life. Wow, in every obstacle, there is an opportunity that can be found. It just depends on what lens you use to see what's happening in that very moment. It's more than empty optimism. It's more than powerful thinking. It's more than confidence. It is simply this for me. It is trusting the very goodness of God. That knowing that whatever I'm seeing, whatever crisis I am facing, I believe this, God is good. I can trust him, I can believe him, I can know that even when the storm may seem great and the crisis may be so, so big, it's a great opportunity in that moment to know God is good. And I will see the goodness of God. I will see the hand of God move. Even when I can't see anything in that moment, I know the goodness of God. And I believe the goodness of God. And I trust in the goodness of God. And when I stand on that foundation, nothing can shake me. You see, I certainly had to do this with my new opportunity with children's ministry. It was a choice to believe God. You are saying this. It was a choice to obey God. And you may be saying, you know what? It's hard for me to see the silver lining in my crisis right now. Can I tell you, I understand how you feel. We have all been in this room. If we made a big circle and began to talk about the crisis that we have all faced in our lives before, I know the lives of many, many people sitting in this room right now, and I happen to know that many of you are facing dangerous opportunities. And you say, you know what? I don't, right now, I don't see the silver lining. But can I ask you to simply choose the opportunity and trust God in the circumstance and give Him glory and see what happens? L- let me give you a few quotes here to consider. In, in 1920, Robert Milliken, he was a Nobel Prize winner in physics. He said this, there is no likelihood that man could ever tap into the power of the atom. Hmm. In 1913, the American Road of Congress said this, it is an idle dream to imagine that the automobile would take the place of railways in long distance movement of passengers. Tell me when the last person, last time you took a train to go on vacation. That was 1913. And in 1943, the president chairman of IBM said this. I think there is a a world for about five computers. And then in 1977, the president of the digital equipment said, "I, I see no reason for any individual to have a computer in their home. Wow. It's all the perspective of how you see things. It's a choice that you make in a defining moment. It is our defining moments that when God says, in that moment, you must choose life. Don't reduce your defining moment by fears, by past mistakes, by past failures. Don't allow fear to paralyze you in that moment. and Say, man, I've missed it before. What if I miss it again? You cannot allow those fears to stop you because here's the thing, God is our redeemer. He redeems us from our pit. He crowns us with love and compassion. God is your redeemer. He can turn any situation around for your good. I don't know how he's going to do it with my finite tiny human mind, but God created the universe. He can figure this out. Come on. Here's another way that we can see God's opportunity. We have to, oh, this is a dirty word, but we have to work for the opportunity. Have you ever told your kids, you know, there's a four letter word, and this is the one, only one I want you to use, and that is W-O-R-K. You gotta work, and this is what Jesus said. Listen to his words in John chapter nine. He said, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent us. Night is coming when no one can work. So while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Opportunities, they take work. Proverbs said, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. So, so Jesus was saying here in John, he was saying, I I gotta work, I must work. That's why my father sent me. In other words, Jesus chose to make the decision to use every opportunity that God gave him to minister to someone else. And Jesus called that ministry, he called it work. Every opportunity that God gives us, all of it requires a certain amount. W-O-R-K. You see, when the opportunity for impacting our kids came, hmm, cleaning church toilets to prepare for Sunday morning service, putting those gloves on and smelling that beautiful smell after all those kids used that bathroom all week, that was an amazing opportunity. Woo, yeah. Taking out the trash, amazing opportunity jumping into children's curriculum and figuring out like how you schedule and, 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 and what the theme is for this month and trying to figure out how check-in systems work for families when they bring their kids in. You know, it really wasn't a lot of fun. It was a lot of work. But you know, anything that is worth focusing on Anything that has a great prize attached to it has work attached to it. We work for something worth fighting for and the reward is great. And, and let me tell you, when I get, in church on Sunday morning and those kids come up and they give me a hug with those tiny little arms and I see them memorizing scriptures and I see them stumping you parents and how many books are in the Bible and how old was Abraham when we, he went on his journey and some of you are like uh yeah I don't know uh, I, I and the kids they love it because they love to stump you they love to feel like they are smarter than you huh <laughs> But most importantly, when I see those kids accept Jesus Christ into their heart, or say, you know what, I want to focus my life and this coming week on how I can be a good Christian and how I can love my friends. I'm just telling you, there's there's nothing like it. And number three, you gotta do the impossible. And that takes another kind of dirty word. I call it perseverance. Webster says, It defines it as to persist in an undertaking in spite of counter-opposition and discouragement. Let's look again at what Paul is saying to uh, to the church of Corinth in the Amplified Version. He said this, for a wide door for effectual service has opened to me. He is so excited. Man, this door of opportunity is open. It is a big door. It's a powerful door. And there is a great and promising one, but there are many adversaries. Just because a wide door has opened, and you're like, wow, man, I can hear the angels singing. It's like the, the sun is shining, the light is beaming down, and you can hear, ah, go this way. And you walk in and you're like, ah, oh, what are you doing there? another adversary, another obstacle that you have to climb. How does this happen? Because that's how God laid it out. Just because the door of opportunity is there doesn't mean, there's going to be pers- doesn't mean you don't have to persist, doesn't mean you don't have to persevere. But I love in these next few verses when Paul's talking to this Corinthian church again, before he gets to them, and he, he gives kind of these final words to them before he comes back to them. And here's what he says. I love it when Paul makes it so simple. I love it when the Word of God makes it so simple. Like, okay, one, two, three, four, here's what you do. Paul said, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, and in everything, okay, you're going to make me, let all things be done with love. Bam like all that stuff of how to push and how to persevere and how to focus and how to look for the opportunity and how to persevere. Paul says, here's how you do it. You got to watch for every opportunity. And then you got to stand fast in the faith. I don't know about you, but there are times when I'm going, man, nothing seems to be working. Nothing works. And then I get in the word and I'm like, okay, God, This is what your word says. And I begin to decree and declare the word of God. I was just saying to Marion the other day, we were talking about this decreeing and declaring the word of God. I said, you know, sometimes you can get so focused on the... uh, the dangerous opportunity, the crisis in front of you, that you stop standing in faith on the word of God. It's like you know it out here and you read it, but you don't actually just take your voice and begin to declare, thus saith the Lord, this is what the Lord says, this is what I decree over my life and over the life of my family and over the life of my church and over the life of my neighborhood and over the life of the United States and over the life of this world because with your word, You can condemn yourself or you can acquit yourself. That's what the Word of God says. We have to, have to stand firm. In faith, you gotta be brave. You gotta be brave. In the face of crisis, you have to find the opportunity. You gotta fight. You gotta fight. You you gotta look at that situation and say, I am not burying my head in the sand. I am not backing down. I am like I'm jab punch, jab punch, come on. I am fighting this situation. And maybe it's a physical situation. There have been times where I, I am like, I am down, I am laying in my bed going, okay, I'm fighting. Jesus. 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 Come on, Lord. I know what your Word says. I know that I am healed. I know that I will stand and see the salvation of my God. I may be down for the count, but you, you better know, I'm gonna fight, I'm gonna be brave because that's what you do. We do not quit. You gotta be strong. You gotta grow your faith muscles. You say, well, I don't know how to stand in the faith because I don't really know what the Word says get your Bible out, you get your confession book out, if you don't know what to look for, you take your dumbbells called the Word of God and you begin to work the Word of God. You begin to build strength. You say, I don't, I don't really even know what to believe. You go in there, you text a friend, you call a friend. My goodness, now you can go like on YouVersion, Bible.com, Gateway Bible. just. Pick the word, it'll give you 20,000 scriptures on whatever it is. You write them down on an index card, you put them on your bathroom mirror, you put it on your drive, on your steering wheel, in your car, in your purse, in your Bible, wherever you are, on your refrigerator, wherever you are the most, and you every time you say, this I declare the word of the Lord. But then Paul says something interesting. He says, let all that you do is all, all. (sighs) Unfortunately, all is all here. Let all that you do be done in love. And Paul, you know, in the Bible, there's different types of love. Paul's talking about what we call agape love. Agape love is unselfish love. Love, agape loves with no benefit. This is the Jesus kind of love because Jesus came to bring man what he needed, not what he wanted. Jesus brought forgiveness to man in an unselfish manner. And then there's filial love love that is based on common interests not a love that says you give to me it's a love that says you give to me i'll give to you there's a passage of scripture in john chapter one i don't have a lot of time to to go into it but it's one of my favorite chapters in the entire bible and there's this um conversation that takes place between Peter and Jesus shortly after the resurrection of Jesus I I can't give you the backstory but it's awesome but it's a great contrast between agape and filial love Jesus asked Peter he says um he asked him if he loved him with an unselfish love Peter replied back he said I love you with filial love love with motivations and conditions Jesus asked him again, do you love me with unselfish love? And again, he goes back to him and says, I love you, this is all I got, man. I love you, filial love. It's all he'd ever known. And Jesus looked at him and said, if you love me, feed my sheep. Peter had an opportunity that required a decision. And thankfully, Peter chose life. And even though at that moment, Love with motives was all he had to give Jesus. Jesus opened a great and powerful door for Peter. He opened a door for Peter to go on a journey that could move him through his past mistakes, through his past regrets, because you know, in this moment, Peter is just ate up by guilt. He is paralyzed by fear of, Oh my God, the mistakes I've made. And now Jesus, you're looking at me saying, do you love me? And you're going, yeah, I love you, but you know, I messed up over here. He's like, feed my sheep. And Peter's like, okay, I got it. I mean, this is all I have to give right now is love with motivation, but I'm going to give what I got. But Jesus knew the miracle was in the moment. Jesus knew if he could get Peter to make a decision, it would move him to a place of understanding God's unselfish, unmotivated, agape love. You see, your miracle is in the moment of your decision. The moment you choose to look for the opportunity in the middle of crisis, the moment you decide to work. The moment that you decide to love and do the impossible, (laughs) we cannot quit because God has asked us to do something hard. We are not quitters. Look at your neighbor and say, I am not a quitter. How much easier is it to love those that love us back? To love those who can give us something in return. It's a hard thing when we have to love expecting nothing in return. To love in an unselfish way. To sow love. The Lord spoke to me last week and He said I need you to have more faith in the power of love. And I was like okay Lord What do you mean here? I mean, you know, you love people because it's the right thing to do. And he said, yes, you love people because it's the right thing to do. You love because you have me inside of you and you operate, Stephanie, out of agape love. Not always, let's just be honest, but most times. And God said, I need you to have faith when you operate in that love. In other words, you will reap what you will sow. So in your crisis, when you're looking at your boss or your spouse or your child, whoever's creating that crisis in your life, maybe it's you and maybe it's, maybe it's all bunch of stuff and who knows, you really can't put a finger on it, but it really doesn't matter. But in that moment, you have to say, daggone it, I'm going to love I'm going to spend time in the Word. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to stay here. There was a situation. Marion and I looked at each other day. He said, I'm just going to have to have a whole lot of Jesus on that. <laughs> because we know in our flesh... There's things we cannot do. But when we put Jesus on us, when we put his super on our natural, God begins to move. We don't know how he's going to move, but we know this, just like he was saying earlier about the power of a seed. When you sow love, you will reap love when you sow faith you will reap faith when you sow work you will reap work when you sow i am not given up i am not given up i am not given up you will reap the reward that's what the bible says so what opportunities are before you today come on i know your mind's thinking man i got that marriage situation, I got this work situation, I got this friend situation, I got, I got these crisis, AKA opportunities. I've got these dangerous opportunities before me. What are you gonna do with them? What opportunities can you choose to walk it out like Jesus walked it out? What, how can you under, how can you have underestimated, how have you underestimated the power of love and your circumstance and in your crisis you got to sew it baby you got to sew it you got to sew it you got to sew it and watch God move hmm. I want you to see the opportunities and I'll just take a few quick minutes here and talk about these but here at Bethel we are brimming with opportunities we were in a team meeting the other day and it was like wow there's God is just like bam, there's just so many awesome things happening and I don't want you to miss out. If this is where you call home or you're thinking about calling a home, don't miss this season that we are shifting into about what God is doing. Obviously, I'm just going to do the same plug because I'm up here today. Look, I need like 20 people in children's ministry. I need you to serve one service a month. If you can do that for me, I can love the people who consistently serve that are on the island of isolation right now. We have to bridge the gap. That's one thing obviously let's let's get this crazy lobby hvac system paid for and be done we're a third there we got two thirds to go let's just make it's a risk it's a dangerous opportunity let's just sow and see god move and then we've got bethel school of ministry launching in mid-september we've got our intern program and our night program If you want to focus in and say, I am, I really want to dive in, push into what God has for me this next season, you really need to check out Bethel School of Ministry. After service today, through these double doors, that exit sign, right turn left, there's going to be a 15-minute meeting that'll tell you about it. Don't let fear stop you from choosing opportunities that God has placed before you. Amen? Let's stand up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would, with your Holy Spirit, your anointing, God, that the things in our life that we are fearful of, that we are literally froze in fear, we cannot move. Just let the anointing, your oil, your balm of Gilead, move in our situation and our circumstances. Do what only you can do, Jesus. In your precious name we pray.